0: This is Feed Play Love, a podcast especially for the parents and carers of small children. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. Over the years, I've spoken to some really interesting people about parenting, and this next interview is one from our collection. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to Helpline on Feed Play Love with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. Chris is here every week to answer your questions on sleep, settling, behavior, anything really well, that's challenging. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anything that's challenging you with your under five-year-old, yeah. shall we say. Um, so you can ask Chris a number your questions in a number of ways. If you're watching us live on Facebook, you can write your questions in the comments below. Um, and you can also call us if you're watching live. It's 1-800-543-772. So you can call and chat directly to Chris or if you're listening via the podcast, the way to get in touch is to email us at helpline at au, and we'll address your question next week. Now, Chris has been doing this for 30 years. Yes. <laughs> I've been beside her for at least five. <laughs> yes. So I'm the assistant. Sometimes great I great knowledge. <laughs> like, sometimes I feel like I could answer them. Yeah, absolutely. Almost, almost, but you're the expert. So let's start with this question from Monica. And this is also a Facebook direct mail, so that's another okay. way you can get in touch with us. I'm not sure how to react to my 30-month-old son's behavior, so thought I'd reach out. Firstly, he's been sticking his fingers into his throat until he gags and eventually vomits. It probably began about two months ago at a mealtime. He was teething, and when it first happened, I tried to remove his hand out of his mouth as he would gag. I realized, however, that he was enjoying my reaction, so I stopped immediately and tried to ignore it. But soon enough, he discovered that he could do the same in his cot when I put him down for his nap sleep because oh. I would have to walk into his room as he ends up vomiting all oh, over no. him, his cot. <laughs> he now often sticks his fingers when he, wants, um, when he wants me to come over and give him affection. Uh, The the attention he wants, such as while I'm cooking in the kitchen and he is stopped at his gate or when we are in the car driving. Oh, God. I know he's too little to be taught what not to do. So I try my best to keep him occupied as much as I can to distract him throughout the day. I also try to wait until he's dead tired before putting him down. Sometimes I'm successful. Sometimes I'm not. And I feel like I can't also just ignore him because of the (laughs) repercussion. I ate yeah vomit vomit everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> another noticeable change in his behavior is that from around his first birthday, he became a very fussy eater, which he took which took me by a huge surprise since starting solids he 's always been ninety nine percentile tall and eighty percentile heavy as he has had a great appetite for generally everything i don 't want to encourage his royal highness 's fussy eating by offering different food or adding fruit if he refuses to eat what I originally served, but I sometimes get so frustrated. Or I just give in and do what I can to feed Yeah, them.
1: Monica, so Monica, I think you're doing all the right things. I think that's the first thing. I think your approach to it, the the mindset around it is really good. And this is a very difficult thing because it's such an emotive thing. He sticks his hands in his mouth and then he vomits. So how do we get around it? And, you know, I think you've got a lot of the elements. You're using lots of distractions. So in the car, i put something in his hand that he can hold, to stop him from putting his um, fingers into his mouth, where you can and you see that behaviour, just gently going and taking his arm out or engaging him. So if he's getting a bit tired and he starts putting his fingers in his mouth, then maybe saying, come over here and stand on this step and help mummy, that type of thing. Because I think this is one of those things that the less he does it, the less you're going to see it. But the reaction is incredible, isn't it? If I put my hands in my mouth, then I'll vomit, then I'll get the attention that I want. Some children have a delayed gag reflex and this could have been the initial bit when he first did it, but uh, at this stage, he's got now got it down to a very fine art of doing it. So distraction, 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 I think's the best thing. Um, I think the second thing is, Uh, when he does it, especially with bed, say he does get to the point where he actually vomits, then um, take him out. Don't give him an awful lot of attention. Wash him down or clean him down, clean the bed, put him straight back in again. So if gagging in, in, in terms of the bedtime one results in I get loads of attention because I get my pajamas changed, which he should do. And then I get a big cuddle and then I might sit on mummy's lap for a little while before she puts me back in the bed. Then I think I can see why he keeps doing it. So we need to clean him up. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think I'd sort of keep it really cool. So maybe not a lot of interaction with him other than what you have to do. And then putting him straight back in his bed again. So that's in re- in regards to that bedtime one, and and outside the bedtime one, I think I think at this point all you can do is distract him from that behaviour. The food thing, though, um, I'm a big believer, and people who um, have had me over believe uh, would know that I would say I never give him another food to substitute the food that they don't eat, and even you know the big doctors like Jen Cohen and people like that they always offer food that they will eat within the plate but we're not short order cooks and the more you play that game that's a secondary problem that occurs and I know it's very emotive again he's beautiful he's done two very emotive behaviors from them but babies do get fussy with their food and sometimes I think that's because we overfeed them we give them lots of snacks and lots of meals so just pulling back on those snacks a little bit shuffling his meals around if you so for instance if he's difficult with lunch then maybe not a morning snack but bringing lunch earlier so he engages in the lunch better or if it's dinner the same with the afternoon snack maybe dropping that and bringing dinner earlier might help him navigate those behaviors around food so I think with this one it's a lot of time and patience but I think your approach is absolutely perfect.
0: Good luck, Monica. And and do you think with a thirteen month old, is this a behaviour that he will grow out of? Oh yeah, yeah yeah. He'll grow out of of the tunnel.
1: But it is a behaviour. He did. He sort of learnt it. Yeah yeah. So yeah yeah. He'll grow out of it.
0: All right. This is an email from Simone. Our son sleeps in a cot in his own room. He's eight months old, almost eight months old. It takes about an hour to settle and get him to sleep. We have been resorting to rocking him in our arms until he is asleep, then transferring transferring him to the cot. He wakes at about 12 or 1 for a feed of 240 mils of formula. He will then wake every 15, 20 or 45 minutes from the time he is fed until around 5.30. We've been co-sleeping recently as he will only wake once for a feed and then maybe twice and he will just need the dummy and a little pat to go back to bed. He also catnaps twice during the day for around 30 to 40 minutes, once around 10 and a second at 2. He goes to bed around 6.30, 7.30. Usual, same routine, routine every night of shower, bottle, cuddle and bed. Usually start the day around 7.30 or 8.00. So I guess my questions are, one, why does he happily sleep in our bed and not the cot? And two, how can I get him back to sleep after his night feed? The other thing she says to note, if you need it, he's on solids, three meals per day and is exclusively formula fed at night and he's 11 kilos.
1: Exclusively formula fed. So do we think he's formula fed in the day as well? No. I mean, I guess because
0: she said at night during the day she may breastfeed him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So where do we start here? The reason I can see the things that I can see out of this email are things like he only has two very short sleeps in the day. So in the 13 hours that he might be awake from morning to when you get him down at night or 12 hours, he only has about an hour sleep. So he is overtired and so overtired that he can't work out for himself how to get things done. So how do I put myself to sleep? How do I put myself back to sleep? Um, the bottle at night is a very large bottle. So that could be making him a bit more uncomfortable. So a bottle at night for an eight-month-old would only be about 150 meals in that bottle. So we've got all these little complex things that are going on. And then he gets this mi- bit of a mixed message of co-sleeping versus sleeping in the cod on his own. And they're quick to learn. You don't have to do it for very long before they've learnt it. So what starts out of uh, just sleep with us because we need some sleep tonight ends up with a week later we're still sleeping with you. So that's what he likes. The reason he sleeps better is because you're cozier. You're soft and gentle and, and snuggly and the bed's snuggly. So why would you go back to the cot? So it's a little bit of these little mixed messages. So if he gets a bottle at night, we have to assume that he gets four milk feeds in the day. Okay, so he needs for his age four milk feeds in the day or between three and four milk feeds in the day. He gets three meals in the day. Okay, so he gets three meals in the day. You've got to watch the sizing because if one's too big and too small, then it's going to throw the, the feeding out for the day. Your timing, it seems to be that he goes down at 10 o'clock and then he goes down at two o'clock. So he's probably awake well, it sounds like for four hours in the morning at a minimum, mm-hmm. then he's awake for three and a half hours, then probably three and a half hours. So just watch the timing um an eight month old's probably awake about two and a half to three hours in the morning, so we might be missing the window where he's tired enough to go to sleep um, more amicably more ac- amicably for you and then sleep longer um So look at the timing, so two and a half hours to three hours between the windows, maybe three hours at the most. Um, Look at the way he's going down to sleep and replicate that at night. Um, I decrease the amount of milk he has in that bottle at night because that's a that's a very big bottle, um, and that might be what's unsettling him. And be consistent about putting him in the cot. So putting him in, letting him try to resettle, going back in, helping him by pat, shush, rock, um, until you he gets it. A... in
0: the cot, don't you?
1: Yeah. So usually hands on, pat, shush, and and sort of a jiggle of a body. If he gets himself too worked up, a quick cuddle back into his bed again. And the consistency of that will allow him to go to sleep and sleep better at night. But you need to do it a little bit in the day so he doesn't get enough sleep. On average, he probably needs a good well, at least two and a half hours, maybe three and a half hours. And from what it says, he's probably getting less or maybe an hour to an hour and a half on a good day. So we need to do some resettling as well um, when you put him down during the day. So that's a lot to take in. Just take it in small little windows. Um, Consistency is the main thing at this age. So pick, you know, the rhythm, then pick how much he's got in the food, decrease the bottle overnight and then give it a good go at settling him in his cot repeatedly over three, four days and see how much has improved at that point. And with the rocking until he's asleep, you'd cut that out entirely? Oh yeah, I'd only rock till he was calm and quiet. Okay. And then putting him and not, in your, uh, not in your
0: arms. No. So I can just imagine though, 11 kilos, you must be
1: really strong. God, <laughs> well, that the thing is back. at 11 kilos, it's really hard to get him in the cot. Yes, Because you've is. got to get him up over the rail and down again. So it's easier probably just to keep rocking. Yep. So if we can start in his bed and keep it in his bed, I'm sure once he goes to sleep, it's going to be so much easier then to step away from him.
0: And if you do it in steps, just taking it apart a little yep. bit further, would you start with one Let's say it's the feeds? Or? Yeah,
1: that's what I do. So I start with making sure I've ticked the boxes about the feeds. So I look at the timing and I'm you know, have I got them spaced the right way? Have I got the amounts the right way? So that's the first thing I do because sleep is a difficult thing. So I want to make sure that everything else in this world is okay yep. before I just huck in for a couple of days and just Sort of go right now. I'm going to do this to get you to sleep better, and you know hunker down for a few days, and then the sleep should in, improve within that period as well.
0: Okay, yeah, brilliant. Well, good luck, Simone. And if it doesn't work out, please get back to us, and yeah. we we'll can, break it can down a little bit more, tweak it. Yes. Here's another question from email or Facebook um, direct mail, actually. This is from Caitlin. Yep. I have a 12-week-old baby who is four weeks corrected as she was two months early. Yep. She's exclusively breastfed and we've been lucky enough to not have any problems until the last two weeks or so. Feeding has now been turned into Mission Impossible. Oh, no. We had been feeding from one breast for each feed as per the maternal child health nurse's advice to help with gas, which was enough to fill her. But recently, she's vomiting up so much of her feed, I have to offer the second breast as well. It's now so bad, she empties both breasts but has brought so much back up, she's still starving. I feed her so she's raised, yeah. keep her on my shoulder for 30 minutes after feeding. We burp multiple times while feeding, usually results in a vomit. And I've cut out dairy and chocolate. Damn chocolate
1: that sucks the chocolate has to go with the dairy that's the saddest bit of all (laughs) none of this seems to
0: make a difference and sometimes we are stuck on the couch in a never ending cycle of me feeding her then her vomiting it back up until she's obviously so exhausted she falls asleep for half an hour if i'm lucky how do i help her keep feeds down would it also be worth using formula as a backup for where my breasts can't satisfy her hunger because she's drained them so much
1: Okay. So Caitlin, you've got a little baby who's eight weeks prem. So there's a few things that we would do here. One is if it's continuous vomiting, I think you should go back to your pediatrician because prem babies often can have severe reflux. So they need to get her weight done, check her weight and just check what's going on for her. So I think the very first thing here is to go back and see the pediatrician who was looking after her and just make sure that everything's fine. If it's just vomiting purely through volume of milk, then we have to really slow that feed down. So often, um, and there's various ways of doing this. So the most common that we would know of is reclining backwards so that the baby's a bit more on top of us and sucking in a more up, uphill phase to slow down that milk supply. But because she is a prem, I think, and weight would be variant because she was eight weeks prem. She might've only been between one and a half and two and a half kilos when she was born. The thing that I would try for 24 hours is actually to work out how much she needs in a bottle and for 24 hours express and feed her in a bottle and see if if the vomiting decreases. So this is purely about the vomiting. So if your vomiting decreases, then we know it's the speed and the quantity of milk she's getting, which initiates that vomiting. If she's still vomiting when it's in a controlled bottle, you know, as in that you control the flow and the amount then I suspect you need to go back to the paediatrician and see what's going on for her. So in this case, I'd book an appointment with the paediatrician. Before I got there, I'd probably try a day of putting it in a bottle, feeding her every three to three and a half hours, and having her weight worked out on the amount you should put in the bottle. Because with a prem, she's 12 weeks old and she's eight weeks prem. So we have to work out on her weight, how much she would take in that bottle. So that's a bit complex. You might need to ring the paediatrician's office and find out how much that is on based on her weight and then have twenty have that day of doing it with a bottle with a slow flow teat on it and see if it reduces the vomiting and then you'll have much more information to give the paediatrician when you see them. All right. Good luck,
0: Caitlin. This is a question from Lauren on Facebook Live now. My three-year-old won't eat. Some days I can't get any food into her at all. She's on iron drops due to having dangerously low iron. Do you have any tips at all?
1: I actually think if she won't eat anything, I would probably try and keep a food diary over um, three to five days, go and speak to your GP. Obviously, if her iron is very low, that's a factor in this. So they have to work out why her iron is that low, not only because she doesn't eat. Um, And then in this case, I think they're quite complex. It's not a quick fix here. I would be maybe recommending going to see Dr. Jen Cohen, who's been on here, who's the fussy eater doctor. Um, She, I'm not sure where this is coming from, but you can look her up or someone in your state that is the equivalent to what she does, because I think this is probably more complicated than a three-year-old who used to eat, but now doesn't eat sausages where they did. So if they won't eat anything and her iron is low, I think this needs to be looked at by someone that can really follow this through for you. And I have done interviews with Jen Cohen on Feed
0: Play Love, if you want to um, look on the babyology website, because Jen talks about lots of different reasons why that age group can stop eating. Um, Yeah, but this
1: is a won't eat. yeah, Yeah, but
0: she'll explain whether it's about well, you're yeah. finding things out about texture, behaviour. Yeah. It can relate to lots of different yeah. things. And unfortunately, Lauren, it does not sound like it's something that is a quick fix.
1: No, I don't think it's a fix. quick. I don't think this is about a child who ate a bit of food and isn't eating a bit of food because the iron is really low. So this is probably something to do with the way she feels the malabsorption because her iron is low. So therefore when she eats, she probably doesn't feel good. So I think it's a quite a complex thing. Mm. It's not a simple, okay, just put the foods down and keep offering them and, you know, make sure you put something down that she eats every time, which is a stock standard answer to this type of three-year-old behaviour. So I think you might need this investigated by a few more people, like the paediatrician or um, someone who works with paediatric feeding and all those sorts of things.
0: Yeah. So Dr. Jen Cohen is the name. If you'd like to look her up on the website, you can look her up for our interviews or she's got plenty of information on her website as well. Yeah. This is a question from Alexandra also on Facebook Live. How do I wean my 21-month-old who uses nursing for comfort? When I say no, he freaks out and screams and pulls my top down or up. I'm eight months pregnant, so my milk is now colostrum and there's not much in there. He never took a dummy or bottle, so it's his only comfort. he or also always hasn't taken a special liking to any... He also hasn't taken any liking to any toys. I would like to wean before the baby comes and I'm running
1: out of time.
0: (laughs) You are.
1: Poor thing. Well, the really good thing is your second baby's very happy because there's going to be loads of milk for that (laughs) second baby. So it has reverted back to colostrum and he's probably getting a bit fussy with that. Do you know how you do this? This is my very first go at doing... Getting him off the breast is you book into the nicest hotel you could possibly (laughs) find that you can afford and leave him at home with his dad. So you're in the hotel and he's with his dad or his mum, whoever. And that is probably the only, that is the quickest way to weaning. that what you call cold
0: turkey weaning? It
1: is because there is no gentle approach. When you're eight months pregnant, Mm. we haven't got time to go, okay, there's just no more milk. And this will be really difficult because he claws at you at 18, at 21 months, sorry, not 18 months, 21 months. And you're eight months pregnant. So I don't want him to hurt you when he's angry, when you don't, you know, give him the breast. So this is a really difficult thing. In, in all honesty, I would book him to the hotel because it completely separates you. It just, he just has to get, you know, get past her or maybe you go to your mum's place and he stays at home with your partner. So this one I think has to be short, sharp and painful. If we had more time, we literally tell you to put on things like turtlenecks so he just cannot get into the breast and we do it across a weekend and your partner distracts, distracts, distracts and you just have to in your mind say I can give you comfort anyway but I am not going to feed you. So that, weirdly to me, that's more distressive because he physically is seeing you and you're not giving it to him. Whereas I think when you're not there at all, he can be distracted much easier and therefore learns that. So when you come back, he might have had one to two days of not having it. And he's worked out a different strategy for comfort such as he might have found a toy that works for him or he might have just worked out that it's a cuddle um, and comfort and then being put down and that your husband or partner can follow that through because you're going to have a baby in two to three weeks which will require you to be in hospital and therefore that separation would have already happened. And we don't want him to win on that week that you're in hospital, because he may take that back out on you and the baby. So I think to be kind to him, you need to do it now, even though it has to be short, sharp and painful, and to prepare him for when you go to hospital to have this second baby. Mm. Oh, so I think this one. one is a little bit tricky, mm. but I think you, you, you might have to just get in there and give it a go.
0: Yeah, good luck. We have an email here from Deanna. Um, I have a three-year-old son who runs all the time in parks, shopping centres, visiting someone. He will also run to any child with a car because he wants it and then he'll get angry about not being able to take the car. It's hard to keep him safe and also hard to keep up when he runs everywhere. How can I reduce the running and also stop him getting angry about other kids' toys?
1: Okay. So I think you've got two things on here. So one, you've got a very active three-year-old who's running around, but three-year-olds don't have a sense of danger. Like they just run down the road. They don't even know about car parks and corners. So I think this is something we have to teach him. And I teach him by doing very small trips where he has to hold your hand and walk. So putting something else in his other hand. So saying something like, we need to go and buy the bread." So can you hold mummy's wallet while we walk to buy the bread? And then we're going to walk back to the car. But as soon as he tries to pull away and or does run away, we actually stop the activity and go straight home. So it's a very reactive thing, but you have to keep the event really short so we can achieve it so that we can praise him. So if you manage to park in the car park, get him out of the car, he holds mummy's hand or he holds something, he walks with you to get the bread and he walks back and sits in the car, then lots of praise because he's regulated that instinct to run everywhere. So then maybe you get to the park and you say to him, okay, we know you like running, so can you run to that tree and come back to mummy? So he runs to the tree, tips the tree and runs back to you. And what you're teaching him is how far he can go and then he needs to come back. Can you run to the swing and stand by the swing? But as soon as he doesn't and he's not regulating, he runs further and he you know, runs the whole length of Centennial Park – then we go, okay, you weren't listening, so we need to go home. So this, it's not in anger, it's just is really gentle to and fro. If he was younger, I'd actually put a, the new set of reins on that have the, rain, the harness bit and the, the tether parts in your hand. And you say, if you walk next to mummy, I don't have to put this lead on. If you run, I need to put the lead on. That's a really good cause and effect and it will get him going three-year-olds run though. So you've got to give him the space and the, the safe environment to run. So that's the park and going backwards and forwards. They love playing games. So make it a game where he goes so far, then he comes back. He goes so far and then he comes back. But we also have to teach him safety. So if he can't do it, then we're not doing those things. And I think you'll find in a really short space of time, he will get it. He will get when he can run and play the running game and when he needs to walk and walk beside mummy. So that thing, I think, will work really well. Um, what was the second part? Sorry, I also that.
0: run to find Oh, and take the
1: toys mm-hmm. off the other kids. So yeah. again, this one would be gentle reminders. So we're going to the park today, and some of the children will have cars, but they're not your cars. So we need to stop and ask them if we can play. So we're sort of teaching him the behaviour that we'd like to see within him. Then if he does snatch the car, I use the same scenario. So if he snatches the car, then I take the car and give it back to the said child. And then I say to him, we might need to go home now because you're not listening. So we're going home because we're not listening, not because we snatched. But I think this is a regulation and him learning how to regulate the behaviours that are going on in his head. So he wants to run wildly with a car in his hand and he hasn't quite got the maturity to understand that that actually isn't his car to take. So we have to show him that. So if we go over to Jack's place for a play date, Jack's going to have some cars, we need to ask Jack for the car to play with and take his car with him so that he's already got the car to start with. So all of these little behaviours over time will teach him how to regulate and regulate those behaviours.
0: And and it's good to see it as a... Learning yeah, thing, a right? learning
1: thing. It's not a naughty thing. It's yeah. a learning thing. And it's about regulating and yeah. regulating all those little hyped-up emotions that three-year-old boys have locked inside <laughs> them.
0: They do. Look, we've got time for one last question and this is from our Facebook Live from Leah. Yeah. I'm due with baby three in May and my son will be three and a half years old. My daughter will be twenty-two months. We have a three-bedroom house and I was hoping to move my daughter into my son's room so the baby can have the best chance. As sleeping in a dark, quiet room. How do you think I should manage this for minimal disruption? Move my daughter's cot into my son's room, then transition to a bed down the track or change all in one hit to a new room and from cot to bed in one hit?
1: Oh, okay, Leah, I think you got the right idea of moving your daughter into your son's room, but I wouldn't be moving her out of a cot until she's about two and a half. So I think she needs those bars around her. I think she's too immature to understand to stay in her bed, especially if her brother was getting up and down. So I would put them in together. I think that transition I would do now and get them used to being in together. And being 22 months, she's probably sleeping through more often than not and but I would leave her in that cot for another six months at least before I transitioned her to a bed so work out whether you need the cot for the third little one or whether you know you might need to use something else for that that third little baby just for a short period so that you know she's actually ready for the bed and you're not just putting her in that because you're running out of beds as in cots bassinets and beds So don't run too fast with this because it's better that she sleeps well in a cot in her brother's room than to be put into a bed too quickly and then everybody's mucking up in that room. So go gently with this one and I think it'll work really well.
0: And if you have any other questions once baby number three comes along,
1: Chris can
0: help you with strategies to juggle all three. Mm. Well, that is all that we have time for in this episode of Helpline and Feed Play Love. We're very lucky though, because Chris is going to come back on Wednesday, Wednesday this week. So that's, you get twice this week with Chris. She's back on Wednesday for the first of our Bub and Me Masterclass series, which is presented by Big W. And she's going to be talking about all things sleep. Mm-hmm. So if you have a question, you didn't get to put it in today, or if something comes up before <laughs> Wednesday, babies can change very quickly. Um, you can... And find all the details to how you can put your questions in now in the comments below there'll be a link to our events page you can check it out there or you can jump on facebook live at eleven thirty a.m eastern standard daylight savings time on wednesday and we will be back to answer your questions on sleep thank you all for your questions and chris thank you so much for your time oh it's a pleasure